0: I'm a firm believer of if you wanna go, if you wanna increase your your position in life, one of the fastest, best ways to do that is just change the people you're hanging out with. Welcome to The Lensetter Show, the show that blends the art of sales, the science of success, and the strategies of real experts in the mortgage and sales industries to help you grow your client base, increase your revenue, and get in control of your life. I'm your host, Preston Schmidley. Kick back, enjoy the episode, and don't forget to subscribe. What's going on, friends? Preston here with the Lensetter Show. I am really excited for this episode. I have a, a friend of mine in the industry, one of the members within our program here at Good vibe Squad. Uh, we got Austin Hines of Skyway Financial. Uh, you know, this is a brokerage he started, and uh, um, you know he's done he's done uh, uh, direct consumer marketing for a while now. And it's been cool to be able to work with him and watch his growth uh, and his expansion, not just as a broker but as an entrepreneur. Um, Austin. Why don't you before we dive into, I know we have a lot to talk about because we talk decently uh, often, but um why why don't you just paint a picture of kind of your journey through the mortgage industry up
1: to this point um, to kick off the call? Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, you know, first of all, thanks for uh, inviting me on to uh, talk on your podcast for uh, sure. definitely appreciate the opportunity and uh you know just to kind of tell you a little bit about me specifically um so i've been in the industry going on about 7 years now um started out uh in consumer direct at one of the uh top mortgage companies in the nation uh just uh hitting the phone smiling and dialing man and uh worked my way through the system uh was vice president of the largest veteran bank in the united states for a while uh for about 5 years and um, after that realized that that was never going to be my baby. Um, I have an entrepreneurial spirit about me. So, uh, branched out, started my own thing. And, uh, here we stand, man, Skyway financial, uh, done, done big stuff. What led led you to take that leap? Well, I, um, at the end of the day, you know, I'd worked my way up the corporate ladder to a point where I was at a fork in the road on the direction that I wanted to go. Um, the market was shifting at the time we were in a refinance boom, but I felt like we were about six months away from a a very serious shift. And at the point where I had to go to management to chat about how I had plans to, um, kind of change up my marketing strategy the fact that i had to go and ask for approval and, and jump through those hoops to ultimately get shot down on my ideas led me to realize well this is never going to be my baby um you know i need to step outside my comfort zone and do something on my own and uh thankfully i did because the market shifted very quickly um into uh not a refinance boom anymore and and uh, a lot of the people that were at the place that i worked are no longer there or i have completely gotten out of the industry, um you know because I don't want to talk smack or anything like that, but I, I feel like one of the biggest benefits of being a broker versus working at a, a large place is your ability to adapt to tough markets. Um, you know, you kill what you eat. and that's uh, what I had the privilege of doing uh, was getting kind of a six month start on on a really tough market. and uh, here we are today. so that's
0: awesome. What, um, what do you feel are some of the, um, you know, I know, I know that you, uh, are, are are always trying to find new ways to grow your business. What do you feel are some of the, the things that you would define as strengths within your brokerage? Mm
1: -hmm. Strengths, willingness to try new things. Um, you know, even, even GBS at, at one point was, Um, you know, we saw your ads on, uh, Facebook and, uh, you know, it was an intention grabber for us, but it was outside our comfort zone at the time. And and I told my wife, I was like, you know, you've got to be willing to branch out and try different stuff in a tough market. Um, and ultimately kind of having that willingness to adapt has been what's kept us alive, you know, um. You know, that and, and and also really focusing on uh, relationships with our clients. Um, you know, most of my clients we stay in touch with on a regular basis with. And, and I would say I, I have a lot of friendships out of, um, you know, clients that we've had in the past. Um, so, yeah, I would say, say those two things. One of the,
0: one of the questions that, that, that all leads me to is uh, I'd be curious about what are some lessons you feel that you had the unique privilege of learning from doing Consumer Direct?
1: Um, okay. So lessons that I've learned from Consumer Direct. Consumer Direct, was, more,
0: Or, how do you feel Consumer Direct better set you up for success now as a broker?
1: That's, a, that's actually a really good question. Um, I actually think that Consumer Direct was for me and still is the backbone of our business model. Um, When someone asks me Skyway financials business model, I say we're a retail consumer direct hybrid um, where most of our business is, you know, built around referrals and, and, but we also buy a lot of leads that lead to those referrals. So, in the uh, original consumer direct business model, it's only buying leads and working those, and while I was at the companies that I worked at, they helped me build a strategy. Like we would time block, we would, you know, call our leads multiple times, you know, three, five times a day. Really hit the phones hard. Follow up, follow up, follow up. Um, I think a lot of people who are only in the retail model don't understand how important it is to really dive in and and not be afraid to call people three times a day. You know, even if that feels excessive, the reality is consumers, a lot of times are getting blown up to the point where even if you call three times a day, there's so many other people calling that they don't even recognize your number half the time. Um, So you're not going to offend somebody by calling. And if you are offending them, guess what? They're going to pick up and tell you, Hey, cut it out. You know? Um, So, you know, to loop back to what you said, Consumer Direct is really the backbone to our business model. Um, it's something that I don't think that I would have been as strong of a loan officer had I not had that training. Um, and I'm super thankful for the opportunity that I had to to be exposed to that. Austin, did you have any door-to-door sales experience in your life? Did I? Um, no, I didn't. But uh, I will say that... For me, I had a, a version of that where basically we were given uh, county tax records, which is essentially like calling out of the phone book. Yeah, and uh, so to me, that's like door door sales. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a
0: uh, form of it. Yeah, interesting. Okay, and the reason I was asking is I've talked to a handful of people that I, I felt were pretty successful and and they've they've done some cool things in the in the industry. And one of the threads was door to door sales, right? But I, but I would even make you know if you if you're used to a boiler room or or some kind of a call center esque where you're you know, calling public
1: data like that. That's uh, um, yeah. That's that's a version of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to refrain from mentioning specific businesses, but I can tell you like, when when I walked in my first day, it was cubicle like. We walked in. Everybody was on the phone, smiling and dialing you know always be closing we had morning meetings people literally like every single month we were ha- we had the opportunity to win um you know the top 10 commission checks were posted publicly for everybody to see it and also uh you know at the end of the day that was motivation for me to get after it so yeah when somebody's publicly putting your numbers in front of somebody like yeah show up yeah dude yeah you know? No, I, I, I like that a lot.
0: Um, I think that that's that's, that's an interesting concept. Uh, maybe we should do that at GVS and just say everybody's got to put their numbers up. That's Bro, I, interesting.
1: Would, I would, yeah, I, I support it. man. I, I support it. You know, it's, it's kind of like not culturally acceptable to some degree anymore. You know, like everybody's a winner type mentality. But in a tough market like this, like fuck all that, dude. Like, you know, the reality is we need to push ourselves and the best way to do that is to be public about where you stand in your sphere of influence yeah um you know and and consumer direct was that model i i don't think that retail is so anybody who's stepping into what i would call the the gvs hybrid model um because it, it it's both both of those things. GBS is both retail because you're building referrals, but it's also consumer direct because you're actually purchasing leads through that avenue as well. It's an interesting perspective. I haven't heard it worded that way. Um,
0: what uh, I know, I know that you're you're working our system, obviously. What are some other things you're doing to attract business? You know, I, I mean, uh, at what point? I guess let let me get more tactical on that. At what point? in the relationship with the prospect, are you using them as leverage to get real estate agents? Like what's your, what's your workflow there? Because it sounds like you're, you're really trying to kind of get this infinity loop between the two worlds, uh, where they feed each other. And I'm just
1: curious, kind of where do they meet? Right. So for me, um, it's always been the component of reverse engineering success. To me, the most definitive business model is to have realtors or referral network that is going to feed you forever and always um and in order to maintain that the only way is to offer some sort of reciprocity between the two of you um and so that's one of the reasons why i sought out the lead by that i did was because i knew specifically for purchasers it was going to be a requirement to cut out a lot of riffraff nobody wants to go go for coffee bro like that that business Mm -hmm. model is dead you know um it's funny i one of the pitches that i have for realtors right off the bat is i just call i'm like hey you know my name is austin hines uh i work with skyway financial i'm actually owner and we specifically reach out to um, local realtors to network with them. This is not a marketing ploy or anything like that. What I'm looking for is someone to build a relationship with that's willing to reciprocate. So, to answer your question, it's literally in my initial pitch like, hey, I'm reaching out to you to build a relationship. I want to know if you're going to reciprocate, and if they don't have those conversations, man. If if it's like, oh well, um, click, dude, I'm on to the next person. You know, Um, that makes sense. Um, what uh, what are some
0: uh, you know, what are some pieces of uh, pieces of advice from your path, from your experience, um, that you feel, you know, right now we're in an interesting market, right? As we we we're uh, recording this in, in April. Um, you know, so I know that, that it's, it's a, it's an interesting time for a lot of people. And, and, you know, one of the things I've observed is, you know, cause I've had a few conversations as of lately and, and, uh, periodically every now and then somebody will say that they feel like lead quality has gone down. You know, I always like to look at things formulaically because it's like fundamentally, um, there's been very, very little changes to our process in a way that would affect lead quality. Um, there's been, not, there's been insufficient changes to the platforms to, to, to really validate that statement. And so, you know, when I was looking at it, I was like, well, there's an increased amount of friction to get somebody from a initial, uh, you know, point of interest. They opted in to become a lead all the way to a closed and funded loan. Right. It's like, I've actually seen a lot of people that are getting, to the application, but it's the, the the distance between the application and the close of fund loan seems to be the challenge, right? And so I, I guess formulaically speaking, it has felt to me like what the perception is is lead quality has gone down, but really difficulty of the game has gone up, right? And so I'd be curious about some advice that you
1: might have for loan officers during a market like this. Sure. So um, first of all, I don't think that lead quality has gone down. Um, you know there's specifically some inventory issues um that I, I think we can address quickly to to kind of maybe help alleviate some of some of the problems that we have. So, if we look at the last time that we were at the absolute bottom of the market it was February of two thousand twelve um you know, there are two reasons that the market crashed. The first was there wasn't enough regulation on. Um, Who could qualify for a mortgage? You know, it's pretty well known that if you could fog a mirror, you could get a mortgage at that time. The other issue was there was massive amounts of inventory. Uh, At the very bottom of the market, uh, you had 2.4 million listings on the market. Hmm. Today, as of, I think it was last month, um, no, I'm sorry, this was two weeks ago. I pulled these facts. It was uh, right at 563,000 active listings. So... When you're talking 2.4. 2. 2.4. Wow. You're talking, what was it? Like 25% it, tw- 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 whatever? D- d- not even that. 20, 20%. Less than yeah. 20%. Or a little
0: so, bit more than 20%. Yeah.
1: You know, first of all, when people start talking about, oh, well, the market's changed, um, you know, I, I, I don't think... As far as like, so applications have gone down, but that's simply because we have an inventory issue. So I don't think that the market has gotten, you know, lead quality hasn't gone down. We just have massive inventory issues at the moment. So I think the reality is you have really high quality candidates. It's just a matter of how are you going to be creative with your realtor referrals and getting those people in homes. Um, I feel like I went a, a long way around to kind of answer that question, but supply and demand is there, man. And, and we see it every time, you know, I, I have interest rates come down, you know, a quarter to a half point. It seems like everybody's jumping at the gun to to get in the house. Um, but there's still a lot of opportunity out there, man. Um, successful people will always find a way. Yeah. Um, in fact, I, I, I kind of wanted to highlight in a call that uh, that you were on the other day, one of your uh, one of your masterminds, I think you read us a, a text that you got on a question, and he said specifically, you know, questions. What what was the quote? You're gonna have to edit some of this specifically. So you're talking about the from the top producer. The one that you read about top producers don't say those kind of things
0: yeah well so so the uh, essentially I said <clears throat> I just pulled it up I said um this is actually uh, Amir Saeed he's a uh, uh, uh really really nice humble guy um we uh we started working with his business partner and and I've spent a decent amount of time talking with both of them uh, over the last few weeks um and he did 150 million last year, which I think you know. If there's a year to do 150 million and make it impressive, it was the last year, you know. Right. And so uh, he said, um, or I said, you know, hey bro, if you're online, I got a question for you. I'm doing my weekly peak performers call today, uh, and um, you know, I'm addressing some some uh, perspective that's come from some clients who are saying some version of. You know, people in California or other high competition state who are financially able to buy a house aren't on Facebook, right? Uh, or some uh, other version of paid traffic sucks. Uh, I'm handling this uh, uh, on the call, but I'd be curious about, from your perspective, what do you feel are some of the main drivers you would attribute to your success, regardless of the market conditions and regardless of the economy. And I and I felt like I was able to say that, and he was able to answer it because. He did do 150 million, regardless of market conditions and regardless of the economy, during what I think we could both define now as a recession and what we would both define as less than um, uh, great market conditions compared to 2020, 2021. Um, you know, and so he definitely. I mean, for all intents and purposes, if you're doing nine figures during a year like last year, where everybody else is practically saying that it's it's hard to even be in the business at all, you know, I mean that's like the the, the mortgage equivalent of defined gravity. You know, and so. His response was, hey, bro, great question. Top performers never talk like that. They'd rather understand that they have, uh, that business is all about who can pivot, ad- adjust, and adapt the best. And so I was like, all right, man, sure. <laughs> you know, I knew it was a, it was a headspace game, but, um, you know, to hear that from him was good.
1: Dude, I remember when I got in the industry, um, this was in 2016, this was before um, we knew that Trump was going to get elected. There was a lot of talk about, you know, What interest rates we're gonna do, and for whatever reason, people in my office at the time were talking about how interest rates were gonna go up. And uh, one of my uh, mentors at the time, I I went to him and I was like, "Bro, you know, I've got a baby on the way. Like, what's gonna happen? Like, are we gonna make it through this?" And he said, "What are you talking about? This is the time that your dreams will be made." And that stuck with me. He was like. The reality is high interest rates are a great opportunity because it's going to weed out a lot of the bullshit. It's going to give you an opportunity to be successful because there's going to be a lot of fallout, man. Like right before this meeting, it's, it's funny. My wife actually sent me a text of um, somebody who's adding us on LinkedIn and uh, they are no longer a loan officer. Uh, I used to be someone that I would consider competition, but uh, am I getting muted again? No, you're good. Can you hear me? Okay, sorry. I'm, she's calling me back. Damn it. Sorry. You got to Take it, bro. Take it. We can. We nah, can. I'm going to turn, turn my phone off. Look at you. New stand, standards and boundaries. Turn on, man. She's going to be pissed, though. I know she's going to be pissed me somehow what's crazy is like, so hopefully, hopefully this will help highlight, uh, I'm going to try and say this the right way and maybe we can capture it appropriately. She is my top producer at the moment. Um, she's closing probably three to five loans a month with me. Um, she just got, uh, a, um, new build contract that could be an absolute game changer, not only for her, her life, but also for mine. Um, and all of that came from a lead that I bought a year and a half ago that I gave to someone else. I gave to her broker and her broker six months later introduced me to her. And that has now led to this relationship that will end up being six Seven figure relationship, Fun. you know, so the relationship that was built off of a lead that I bought at the time, I mean, I didn't even get any reciprocity off of that from the broker for i want to say it was like six months. Like I didn't even, I didn't even hear from, him. you know, like I would reach out and say, Hey, how are you? But I would get the voicemail or be like a real short text back. Um, but now like, I mean, our, our kids, when I go in town, our kids play together and it's developed into this relationship that's so much bigger. And all of that was because of this hybrid consumer direct retail business model, you know? So to me, what's special again is the, the mixture of the two of those together. I think that's how people are going to be successful in this market is, um, you know, being able to uh, reciprocate business and and build long lasting relationships with people. I agree.
0: I agree. What, um, what is some of the biggest, uh, uh, I know you like to invest in education for yourself and stuff like that. What are some of, um, I guess things or lessons you've received from mentorship in the last year or so, some things that have helped transform you and I, and I either as a, you know, business owner, as the owner of the brokerage or as an originator?
1: Um, investing in myself, I feel like this is going to be a really vague answer, but um, investing in myself in whatever capacity that is, whether that's getting a personal trainer, getting a, a dietitian, um, getting a, a, a mindset coach, things like that just go so far in helping you to achieve your goals. Um, you know, the, one of the biggest things that I've invested in here recently has been, um, mortgage education, um, specifically on accessing different resources out there. Um, I, I'm not going to shout out any specific companies on this, I guess, uh, unless you really want me to. You're welcome to. I mean, if, if you think it's something that could be insightful or helpful to another originator, I mean, yeah, I mean. We'll just stick with some of the basics, man, like just setting yourself up for success in the morning by reading the news, Um, you know, housing wire, um, MBS highway, places like that just offer a lot of really strong um, tools to really help lessen the learning curve on where the industry kind of stands. Because if you just wake up every morning and and plug in and and don't offer some sort of value when you get on the phone to your clients, they're not going to be bought in, man. Um, so it's very important that you stay up to date today with industries changes and, um, you know, make sure that you're reading, well, whatever kind of content you can really get your hands on. Um, because all of that helps really put, um, an edge over you versus the competition. Sure. That makes sense. Um,
0: I don't know if you noticed, but I put the shirt on for you, by the way, you you would want to, uh, uh
1: <laughs> the mastermind shirt yeah. why you, mm-hmm. what does it say on the bottom? And you see it mastermind in paradise. Can you tell us a little bit about that? man? I would love it. Uh, yeah, man, it was,
0: uh, it was fun. So first of all, it's, it's uh part of the inner circle, which is Russell Brunson's, uh, mastermind, uh, you know, the co-founder of ClickFunnels, And, uh, we've, we've been, I mean, we've used obviously as a marketing agency, ClickFunnels since, I mean it's been like a long time, like seven ish years. And, uh, uh, I mean our business, you know, as far as how we attract leads for ourselves, it's, it's heavily built on that. And, um, so I, I've always had a, a, a great appreciation. You know, what's actually cool about this to me is, and I'll actually give a plug on this because we're not, um, This is the actual copy. I read. So when I was at the plasma center twice a week, this was one of the books that I would read all the time. And, you know, I was there for about 90 minutes minimum each time. And so this thing has a ton of notes and folded pages and all kinds of stuff. But, but this, uh, you know, this book, this book really, um, changed my life and it's just packed full of You know, if you're trying to understand marketing, first of all, Dot Com Secrets by Russell Brunson is absolutely phenomenal, um, amazing resource. But, uh, you know, it was kind of a full circle moment even to be in the inner circle because, you know, um, to to finally be running in the pack with the guy that I was, you know, at the very beginning of it all, at my lowest point, and I was trying to learn from him, from the only resource of his I could afford, which was this book, um, you know, and then eventually to, to, you know, yeah, in the end be, be, you know, rocking together. I, I that, that to me is just a really cool full circle moment. Right. So I, I really enjoy those, those, uh, events. The other reason I enjoy it is, um, you know, I think this is a lesson for most loan officers too, is if you want to grow your business, you should stop. Taking all your information in from mortgage-specific things, like that's important to be relevant, right? And, and and to be up on the current things. But if we're talking marketing trends, marketing tactics, you should see what's happening in a wide variety of industries, right? And so the cool thing about the inner circle is it, it provides exposure to a lot of other entrepreneurs that um, you know are doing anywhere between like three, uh, sometimes a little below that, but usually around three million to five hundred million in, in annual revenue, and so it's like. You know, I, uh, <clears throat> I'm i i'm a firm believer of if you want to go, if you want to increase your, your position in life, one of the fastest, best ways to do that is just change the people you're hanging out with. Um, I think m- most of us have relationships we tolerate or that we spend a lot of time on that don't serve us uh, or don't serve our higher purpose. Um, and so, you know, I mean, that was probably when I was on the come up, um, you know, and I was... I was, I was on the tail end of the plasma center. I was like, I was like driving to masterminds cause I couldn't afford to fly. Um, I remember I hung out with this pack of, of insurance brokers out in Utah. This is, uh, like summer of 2017. And, uh, I had, I had just, you know, started doing all the marketing, uh, uh, that I was selling to, to real estate agents, insurance agents. And, uh, I was sitting in this room with these guys and, You know, I was going to talk about Facebook lead generation because back then, back in 2017, it was the wild west of Facebook lead gen. So, um, they were blown away by everything I had to talk about. And I talked for like, we were supposed to have 30 minutes each. I ended up going for like two and a half hours because they kept asking questions. And um, it was really cool because I saw, it was the first time I was ever exposed to really wealthy people. And I was so impressed by the way they carried themselves. And they were just dudes in cargo shorts and flip flops. And, you know, some had polos, some had just t-shirts. And I was just like, you know, and granted it's summer in Utah in a cabin. So, yes, um, obviously we're kicking it. But, uh, you know, it was the first interaction I had with people of what I would consider wealth or or higher, you know, uh, kind of a life situation. And I was just I just spent the weekend observing them because I was like, dude, I want to be like them. I want to be more like them, right? I don't want to be them specifically, but there were things that I definitely had to learn from them. And so that actually really transformed kind of my perspective on relationships. And so, um, I was driving back from that uh, trip and uh I remember just processing how how I was how much I was going to start focusing on the relationships in my life because I knew that you know, I knew that I would be willing to be the best student in the room. I knew that I'd be willing to be doing to, to do the work. I knew I'd be willing to have the late nights, the, the early mornings, the, the the you know, long weekends. I was willing to do all of that. Um, you know, I, I, it's actually normal for me at this point. Like I, I when I'm not doing it, I'm I'm uncomfortable, which is a whole separate thing I gotta work through. But, you know, it's like there there was uh, the relationship part of it um was huge to my ability to grow. And so now, you know, at this mastermind, um, it, it feels honestly, like we're collapsing decades into days, uh, 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 you know, things that if I tried to do it without that, you know, without that proximity, without that access to people who have gone the distance, who have, who have done what I want to do or a version of it and have insights and they can help me avoid the pitfalls and the mistakes. I can learn from their life and, and gain that wisdom without the hardship to acquire the wisdom. That's been transformative. So so there was I mean, we forged a lot of friendships uh uh, you know, in the last last few weeks and uh um I mean it also honestly helped us kind of transform our perspective on our business because we we used to wanna to go we used to want to grow a little bit, but now it's like, you know, we got a whole new fresh perspective on where we want to take this business, how we want to help the mortgage industry. Um, And I'm really excited to see what we do because I, I, because we had like three weeks of of almost back-to-back masterminding. We had our stake of the union mastermind, which is really intimate mastermind of agency owners in different industries, but all heavily done for you services like what we do. And then we went to meet uh, and hang out with, for a day, Dan Kennedy who you know that's been a really cool relationship to start to foster and he just fedexed me a package today that I've been biting chomping at the bit to go through of just a bunch of cool stuff that he sent and then uh uh you know and then and then we literally went from you know from state of the union to Dan Kennedy. I had one day back home and then we went to Mexico to hang out with Russell and, and his pack so uh it it was dude it was empowering man you know and uh um I'm very grateful for that. I I legit, I mean, I I took, I don't know, maybe 50 pages of notes, maybe more, but like I I had so many insights that both personally and professionally that I think are going to change my life over the next 12 months. But I also, I don't know that I've had this much clarity in business
1: ever, which is an an empowering feeling. So um, I have two questions off of that. So the first of all, first of all, would be coming off the trip, like what you're talking about. I I understand what you're talking about. You almost have this high coming off of it, Mm -hmm. like you just feel focused and you feel like you have clarity on the path that you want to go towards. Having been there before, what happens for me a lot of times is I end up coming home to my ordinary life. Things end up changing that. Over like a month or uh, six months or whatever it is, like it, it slowly kind of like erodes away. Um, I guess a good question for me to ask is, when you've got that feeling, how do you hold on to it? That's a good question. So I've always been intentional
0: after I'm done masterminding. So like for instance, you know, um, I keep I keep every fax I get from Dan Kennedy. Right, because that's how you got to communicate with him unless he mails just <laughs> so. <laughs> So I actually go through and reread them periodically just because it's like, okay, where are we at? Right. Um, it's saying like an email thread, you know, I, I don't remember what we talked about 13 faxes ago, you know, so I got to actually, I keep an inventory of it chronologically just in case. Uh, you know, so I think the biggest thing is I actually, for like the next month or two. So I've always been a bad student. So let's just talk about that for a second. So, um, I, well, let me rephrase this. I, in the traditional setting, I've been a bad student. Um, I'm not great at the way in which public education teaches, um, that's not a great way of me assimilating information. I actually have to just beat the like the fucking information into my head, right? It's like, I can't just be there, hear it and be like, oh, cool, let's go. You know, it's like that inspires me, right? Because there's a, there's a visionary part of me that, that gets all riled up and ready to attack. But what I'll do for like the next one to two months from that is I will actually just replay all the tape. So like I recorded so many sessions that I found empowering. Um, we recorded the entire day with, with Dan. Um, so like I'll actually reconsume it, reconsume it. And it's kind of like peeling the layers off uh, because it's like, the, the, you know, until I can really lead that conversation from a place of deep understanding, I don't move forward. And so that's just something I do is I will literally replay it to the point where I can actually talk about it without the need to look at it and reflect on it. And so I think that that's one of the things that helps me assimilate the information and and stay true to the goals that I set so that I don't because you're right. if you don't if you're not intentional with it, it's so easy to get sucked back and revert to to ordinary life and then and then, you know, these things become kind of like pipe dreams, right? And it's like, um, I think that the commitment to the idea is important. and so, um like i i read I, I've read my notes, probably I don't know. 10 times now, maybe. I mean, and it, I mean, I've been back a week. And uh, I also, what I do is when I look back at my notes, the first thing, when I'm doing my first pass, I actually separate everything that's a to-do, like an actionable thing that I wrote down where I, you know, cause when I'm, when somebody talks about a book, one of the things that I've learned in life is if you want to really shortcut, uh, and I don't blame the shortcuts in the conventional sense, but if you're trying to kind of go straight to the source, if you will, um, I'm always looking for book recommendations. And what I found is, you know, it's like, yeah, it's one thing to study Russell Brunson. And I, and I've done that. I've read all of his books a a number of times. However, whenever he recommends a book, I want to know what he knows, right? So when, when somebody I look up to, right, uh, 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 recommends a book, I buy it and I just dive in because it's like, there's, there's, that was part of what made them. Right. And so I look at it honestly like a recipe of information, right? It's like, you know, uh, uh. Russell Brunson, for instance, is is an example where he's a he he is the output recipe of a little bit of Dan Kennedy here, a little bit of Ben Settle here, a little bit of you know Andre Chaperon, a little. So it's like you take all these like like OG marketers, and it's like he talks about them. Well, most people stop at Russell Brunson. For me, I go no 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 no. I want to know about Andre. I want to know about Ben Settle. I want to know about Dan. I want to know, and so like I go to to that's like where did they learn their stuff from, right? And I'm interested where Dan Kennedy learned his stuff from. Like that was one of my favorite parts, bro. Like being in his house in his basement, it's like a library. And I literally took pictures of every book he had that was visible. And <laughs> and I I plan on getting as many of them as I can, reading as many of them as I can so that I can to the best of my ability, download his knowledge into my head. And so that's just kind of a way I I live. So When I come back from a mastermind, I look through all my notes, I write down all the actionable stuff. If I got to buy stuff, usually books, uh, uh, or if there's something that I got to do in the upcoming weeks, I write that down and then I Sharpie it off of my notes so that my notes over time kind of become this, you know, shrinking list of things I need to attack until I feel like they're either already implemented or irrelevant now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So basically like I have a very set pitch on the way that I explain um you know how an appraisal will be charged to a borrower and a borrower's coming back and saying that we didn't tell them that they would have to pay for an appraisal which like you know what when you like i have a system in place of things that i say in a certain order and that's like one of the things that i always say and so i just relay that to her um just to give her some confidence and uh yeah, the fact that that was relayed. so it's no big deal. She, you know, it was just uh, an expensive appraisal, it was like eight nine hundred bucks, and the client wants to know what it's for. So, uh, just appraisals are up it. to eight nine hundred now. For the well, it's a duplex. It's mm-hmm. a duplex, so it's it's a little bit more pricey, um, and also like, you know, you're paying for priority, um, so it's a little bit more expensive because we wanted to get get it done quickly. So it makes sense. Uh, <clears throat> edit, edit that part out for me. I'm not trying to talk about, about it, <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, that, so that
0: another nice. question.
1: Yeah, man. Um, so I wrote down here specifically, you know, in, in chatting about inner circle, uh, you know, building up your inner circle. Uh, I think the famous saying is you're the sum of the five people that you hang out with the most, uh, for, for those of us that are trying to surround ourselves with better people. Can you give us some of the uh, the qualities that you look for in the inner circle relationships that you're trying to build? Let's that's, that's a great
0: question. So you know what I look for when I'm trying to figure out who I want to put myself around, right? Because I mean, like, dude, this is the thing that I've realized is it's crowded at the bottom. And that's good reason, right? You know, I mean, the Pareto distribution is at play in any hierarchy, financial, social, otherwise, right? And so it's like that whole idea of there's the 1% and then below them is the 4% and then below them is the 15% and then below them is the rest of the 80%, right? You know, and so part of that is I really only want to play with the one or the 4% and mostly the one, but I got to get there. So I'll take the 4%, right? I want the top 5% of people in my life. And, you know, what I've realized through that is it affords you, if if you're willing to accept that and go, okay, that's going to be my standard. First of all, not everybody that's been in your life has a seat in that reality. Right. And so that's the important thing is you have to recognize that sometimes people grow apart and that's okay. Um, and that doesn't mean you don't love them. It just means that you have to learn to love them from a distance. And I think that that's a very real thing that some people struggle with is making room in their life for that growth to happen. And sometimes that happens through the um, creating space between people. So, you know, I'm really intentional and specific. I actually have what's called the Dream 100 and I think everybody should, right? So by Dream 100, I mean, I've documented, I'm actually up to like 160 people now, but I documented, I started looking for hundred people that I want in my life. It could be for whatever reason, right? Russell's on there, right? We used that example earlier. Well, Russell was on there. I was intentional. I knew I wanted to have him in my life at some capacity, right? Now we ain't best buds. I think we get along quite well. He's much more introverted than I am in, in just regular conversations, uh, which is an interesting uh, situation because he's one of the one of my favorite stage presenters. However, it's like you put him on a one on one conversation, and he's like, uh, <laughs> it's kind of an interesting dynamic. <laughs> Um, you know, so it's obviously a trained skill of his to be able to speak publicly, but, um, you know, uh, I, I'm on a basis where we can shoot loom videos back and forth and we've done that, uh, periodically. And I mean, that's priceless, you know, to, to be able to have those kind of relationships. And so, you know, I, I think part of it is starting by identify who do you actually want in your life. Right. And if you can't answer that, which should communicate something about the lack of clarity, but if you can't, If you can't identify that, then I think it's about zooming out a little bit more and going, what are the traits of those people, right? Because it's like the traits that I look for are different than the traits that you look for. And then, and honestly, the traits I look for now are different than the traits I look for last year, which will be different than the traits I look for next year, because I don't plan on staying static or linear within that either, right? So I'm constantly, like part of what drives me is I'm I'm always, I'm always asking myself what future Preston would think of what I'm doing. Right. So if you, if you put yourself in that lens and go, okay, well, what would Austin of a year from now want from me today? Um, which is it, it, it actually, you know, to be funny about it, but it's true. Uh, earlier today, you know, I've been, I've been, doing, uh, uh, I've been on meetings and calls and stuff all day. And so I had a quick little break. I ran downstairs and I realized, I didn't have any of my, my, my meals that I didn't normally have. And I didn't even have English muffins, which are like my backup. Cause I could just, you know, throw some cream cheese on those bad boys and, and I got me some little cream cheese sliders, you know, I didn't have nothing. And I remember saying out loud, Damn it, I didn't do future Preston any favors today. And, and you know, but it's actually like, that's the lens I look through is it's like, sometimes I'll be like, you know what? I'm gonna need these for Friday. Right. And, and so I'm trying to plant seeds today, every day, for what, it's kind of like squirrels, man. They, they bury the nuts knowing that one day they got to eat, right? And so I just kind of look at my own life that way. And so I look at relationships that way as well as like, I, I, I am going to need different things in the future than I am today. And I try to proactively flesh out what that will be or my best anticipation of what that will be. And I, and I started to realize when you ask better questions, you get better answers, right? So it's like if I'm looking out for what Preston of a year from now demands of me, I'm going to be, I'm going to rise up more today than if I just say, what do I need to do today? What do I need to do today is a very singular thing, right? But when you're thinking about more of a legacy perspective of, no, 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 what does the future demand of me today? It's different because I have to not just do today for today's sake. I have to do today so that when I look back on my Facebook memories, I'm proud of what I see, right? So, and that's the lens I look at all this through. And so even relationships, right? So I've like my dream one hundred, and I just use that as a basis. Sometimes I add people to it, and other times I just pull it up and I go, "Who can I? Who can I throw something out into the universe uh, towards this day, today, this week, right?" And and uh, you know, I mean, honestly, through that I've uh, made friendships with Jason Fraser, Barry Habib, Christine Beckwith, um, uh, you know, Russell. Uh, Mark Joyner, Dan Kennedy. I mean, there's so many people, man. That like just because I've identified that I want to learn from them more and I want to grow with them, um, I think that's the first part is being specific, right? And then the second part is having the balls to do it, right? Having the the gall, whatever you want to say, uh, to keep this gender fluid. Um, you know, you you, you got to have whatever that is, the the gusto, the 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 the, the you know. Um, just the heart to to be willing to take that risk of being shot down or rejected or whatever. And, you know, I've a- often found that uh, I'm pretty well received as long as I, go, I approach it respectfully. I, I had a, so actually, so I, I think you and I were talking about this recently. Um, there was a speaker at Mastermind in Paradise named Pedro Adeo and uh, dude does very well. Very successful guy. Very But but, but what uh, what attracted me to him was not his success it was, I and I'd never seen him before he spoke at, uh, 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 which I'm kind of surprised I haven't because he's quite well known in this circle. But um, before Mastermind of Paradise, I hadn't really known him at all. I hadn't, I, I, if you would have said the name, I would have been like, huh, I don't know, right? The way he took the stage is the way he carried himself. And and like he had, he had this aura of what I would define as a very healthy version of masculinity, right? And that's something that I was rather independent in my earlier years. And so my dad and I had some distance between us because I was going through a lot of shit in my youth and and uh, you know, I was making a bunch of dumb decisions. I, had, I and, and I'm the type of person I got to learn for myself, right? Like, it's like, you can tell me all you want. I got to get punched in the mouth to realize what hurts, you know, that's just who I am. And so um, I kind of, I don't want to say I was raised by wolves because I don't, I don't feel like that gives enough uh, praise to my parents. It's not like I was abandoned or anything. But, like, I spent a lot of time in my in my youth by myself. And so, you know, I, I I was always searching, especially through the struggles for any any sign of what I would consider healthy and positive masculinity that I could find. And so,, um, we were actually at the Cancun airport. My flight had been pushed back a little bit, and so i'm I go up to starbucks and i'm I'm hanging out with this chick that I met at the Mastermind who we just sparked up some conversation. And we were going to get Starbucks together and uh, just talk about business and stuff. And then I saw Pedro was like five people in front of me in line. And so I was like, excuse me, I'll, I'll be right back. I, I just got to <laughs> talk to somebody. And so I just went up and I introduced myself and I said, hey Pedro, first of all, uh, loved the speech that you had. Uh, and you know, when you were up there, you carried yourself in a way uh, that I don't know exactly how to define the energy, but you you feel like somebody that I have things to learn from that I need to get mentored by And I don't know what that looks like. And even if you have the options, if you have courses, I'll buy them. If you, if you sell time, I'll buy it. Um, I'll pay for whatever. I just want to be able to observe you more because you have, you, you exude the sense of masculinity that I hope to carry for my kid for for forward in my life. And uh, I just feel like I need time around you, you know, and I was just honest. Like that was literally what I felt. And I felt like if I didn't say it, I would live in regret. And so we talked for like the next hour. It was a really good conversation. We just walked around the airport. We went to get his wife Starbucks, brought it back. She didn't like it. We went to we walked all the way back, got tried to get her a different Starbucks. And then she said she didn't want it. So then we walked back. It was great. I and I was I'm like, dude, we could get her three Starbucks. I don't care. I'm <laughs> this is this is the best ROI on coffee I've ever had, you know? And um so it was just a really cool experience, man. And, and and I think it's a testament to that, you know, once you identify that dream 100, once you identify somebody, it's like, I think too many people don't take the risk of, of getting rejected, uh, or whatever. And it's like, dude, once I know that that's where we're at, I'm all in. I, I and it's not just that I want from you, how can I help? You know, it's like, I, I want to, I want to help. I want to, I want to be, I want to be somebody that my dream 100, when they're talking to their people goes yeah, man, you know, when I was set, it could be whatever, but but hopefully it's some version of, you know, when I when we were setting up our new campaigns and stuff, I talked to Preston, so he gave me these ideas and inspirations for ideas. Yeah, I wouldn't have done without him. Like I, I want to be able to provide so much value to my Dream 100 that I'm part of their Dream 100. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, we've talked about this a little bit and this is kind of what Pedro was, was mentioning is this, is this goes back to that whole spirit of partnership and regardless of how, partnered the relationship really is on paper coming to that, coming to the table with the full intention to serve, you know? And, uh, so, so that's what I would say is, is, you know, when you're looking for people, I don't know that there's set attributes I would, I would look for. I think we're all in different, we're all in different paths and we're all in different seasons of that path and our needs and and relational needs are going to change depending on the season. Um, but I, what I would say is regardless of what it is you're looking for in those people, when you find the people take the risk. Cause I would rather get rejected and know, fuck it. I did my part, you know? And, 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 and I was, I wasn't well-received. Right. And, and you might realize when you do that and, and the, and the approach goes sour, you might be like, fuck this guy. You know what? I was wrong, <laughs> whatever. But like, you'll never know if you don't, just go up and shake their hand and say hi and let them know what that meant to you and offer to buy their coffee. And, you know, I mean, sometimes that's just, that's, that's just life. Right. And I look at that kind of like, you know, it's like, there's that whole, uh, if you could share up, if you could sit on a park bench with somebody famous for an hour, who would you choose? Well, why don't we just create that situation? Right? Like I found him in the line, we had coffee and we had our own proverbial version of the bench for an hour. You know, it's like that's not just a euphemism on some cute meme. That's real shit. Make it real, you know. So that I, I know that's a really long-winded answer, but uh, I I thought it was important to go through all of that. Um, I think creating a dream one hundred is important.
1: Yeah, I, I actually took some notes there. I wrote down dream one hundred, um, because uh, there uh, I can name probably three people that I've had exactly what you're talking about, where you almost get this like, not to sound weird about it, but like butterflies in your stomach where you're just like, <clears throat> I, I know that, I, I don't know what it is, but I have to be around this person. Yeah. This is a relationship that I personally need in my life. And if I don't at least shoot my shot to be friends with this person, I will regret it for the rest of my life. And I, and I don't know why, but I'm going to walk up to this person and on a very elementary level. I'm going to ask them, hey, can I be your friend? Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. But anyway. Yeah. No, I, I mean, dude, that's, that's, I
0: mean, let's be honest. If, if you, if for every 10 stories that somebody went, yeah, I took my shot, my, I shot my shot, nine of them are going to be positive. They went well. And, and not only did it go well on some level long term, if they played their cards right, it was transformative, right? Like, that's the same way it was. Like, for me, it was with Dan, like, and it still is. Uh, like, we wanted him to consult us on Good Vibe Squad, and we got that. But, like, when, when I was there, I also made it clear that to him that it's, like, he's my mentor. Whether he chooses to accept this or not, <laughs> that's on him. He's my mentor, right? And so, like, I'm taking it all in right? I'm looking at what books he's reading. I was actually going to show you that. Cause like when I was on the airplane, like this is the l- level of like, cause like, I think too often we take the pictures, we record the videos and then we never go back on them. Right. So when I was on a flight from Dan Kennedy, I combed through a bunch of the pictures of the stacks of books in his office. And I literally wrote out, I'm not done yet. I'm halfway done, but I got three pages of different books that I got to buy now of, of just, just good shit that was on his shelves. And so, you know, it's like, I, I think that's part of it too, is like actually taking action, not just being an observer, because it's like, it's all too easy in life. I mean, by default, we're in the grandstands, right? And it's like, you have to actually go out of your way if you want to be on the field. Nobody's going to put you on the field. You got to put you on the field, right? If you want to be in the game, if you want to be on the scoreboard, if you want to be the one that they're talking about on the radio, on the TV, it ain't the stands. It's the people on the field, right? Right. And so I think that's anything in life, right? I, I, uh, 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 you know, taking the pictures, recording the videos, that's being in the stands. Now, going back and reviewing the photos, reviewing the videos, creating an action plan, actually implementing the things in which you took, that's putting yourself on the field, right? And so I just, I take, I try to take as much of the theoretical as I can and make it practical. I try to take as, you know, and and it's easy. I I also have an acceptance with myself because there's been times where this has been, um, I've struggled to get something from an event. And so my mantra is if I can leave here with one thing, then it paid for itself. And so when I'm in those moments where I feel like, ah, oh, this is a waste of my fucking time. There's something there. There's something. And it ain't a lesson I knew I, I that I thought I needed, but I'm gonna get something. Hell or high water, I'm leaving with the lesson, right? I'm I came this far, I ain't leaving empty handed. And so that mantra's kept me great. I mean, obviously I, the last month I've been in an abundance of places where there's a surplus of ideas, but um, I also go to places where it's like a barren wasteland. I try to stay away from those places, but the mantra still, I came all the way here. I ain't leaving without the lesson, right? So, and the lesson might be, this is the last time I'm around these people. I don't know, <laughs> but I'm leaving with the lesson, right? So anyways, hopefully that answers your question. I know that was a lot of... Uh, You know, kind of a long-winded. Yeah.
1: No, I I feel like for hopefully you won't edit any of that out because I feel like it's all really a a good nugget. Um, you know, because that's the reality is uh, this is a tough market. Um, I think it's extremely crucial that we surround ourselves with people who don't play the victim mentality and want to run at a really high cal. And um, if you don't already have those people in your inner circle, then that means it's time for you to go out and find them. Yeah. Um, you know, and and uh, I can tell you one of the things you've heard me say many times is it, it's very easy as a broker to start feeling like you're on this island trying to figure things out on your own. Um, and one of the things that I really like about you know what we have at GBS is there's this community of people that um, are all trying to better themselves. Like, yeah, we are ultimately buying leads but ultimately it's uh bigger than that it's it's a community that's trying to do uh big stuff you know so not to not to plug you guys but that's you know that's part of it you know um that's our favorite part that's our favorite part
0: we we love the community i mean it's like you know we're I, i like to think we're the best at what we do um there's an element of subjectivity to that, but like the part I'm most proud about is not our leads. It's not our system. And I'd argue those are very valuable pieces. And sometimes people say those are, you know, the best they've ever had. And, and, and I always love hearing that, but like, for me, it's, it's the community it's, you know, we've, we've played the long game of, and, and it pisses some people off, but like, we're, we disqualify a lot. Like we really do because I long-term wanted to build a business where when I hopped on a call. All the faces I saw, I was excited to see. And if I don't have that, then I don't want the money, right? Mean, it's like, dude, I could build a business for money. I mean, I could. There's so many things I can do for money if I'm if if I'm in if I'm willing to be unhappy to do it, you know. And so my thing was, it's like now that I'm in control of this, um, I want good people around me. And so that's, I mean, honestly, that's why Good Vibe Squad is what it is. Is um, I think it's community first and service second, and uh, uh, both of them are, in my opinion, top notch. But, but to me, it, the community has always been the part that excites me the most.
1: Mm. Well, since you've got a list of 160 people, man, um, and, and I would argue that nobody's probably studied mortgage brokers um, as much as you. Or you're you're definitely in the running for people who studied mortgage brokers. Who do you think should be? Um, good inner circle people for mortgage brokers mm. <clears throat> well I'll give
0: you an example have you been to uh, uh, UWM campus mm. okay so I strongly recommend you do that um, you know especially as a broker it's like I, you could you can use your points or whatever uh, to, to get a trip down there uh, they'll pay for the travel and stuff but um, it's profound, first of all, because I think it really exposes the scale of the operation. Um, when you're going through it, first of all, it's God—it's never-ending. Uh, and in addition to that, it, it actually feels less of a stuffy professional services type place. Um, you know, when you think mortgage well, not when you think mortgage, but when I think mortgage, I think antiquated, I think outdated, I think lacking innovation, right? Just generally. And this isn't just mortgage, this is real estate, this is insurance. And yes, there's some disruption and stuff, but generally I would say they're about a decade behind. Uh, And and a lot of that's probably due to regulation, if we're being honest, right? Regulation stifles creativity. Um, I'm not anti-regulation necessarily. I mean, I am pretty libertarian, but I, I, uh, you know, I I understand the practical application. I think the legislation needs to apply to Congressmen who allowed o eight to happen, but that's a discussion for a different day um you know the the brokers were a lot less of the villains than they were marked out to be. let's just let's just uh, put that one there um but uh uh realistically um when you're at u w m what you end up seeing is. It feels like you're at a Facebook or a Google that happens to do mortgage, right? It's a very different vibe, a very different energy. And I mean, depending on what part of the the environment you're at, part of it feels like Wolf of Wall Street. Part of it feels like you're at a Facebook, like there's like this hipstery, like you and you can tell the like like you're like, Oh, this must be the dev team. Oh, this must be the underwriters. Oh, this must be the 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 account executives. Like you can tell the energy is different. And so that's really cool. I mean, dude, like, they've grown to like a something like seven or eight thousand team members in that location. Like, that's insane. Yeah, you I'm know, like, dude, we're running at sixty people, and I'm losing my mind. Dude, that, what? Like, Matt is a gangster. So, what I would tell you is just go to UWM, take it in, be a fly on the wall. Um, I think that they have a lot of cool information and stuff there. But, uh, but realistically, just the walk through it to me spoke tons to how they're trying to invest into brokers. Um, so, but more specifically, if you get any shot at Matt Ishbia, um, I would say take it because, uh, and I mean that not, that probably sounded negative. I don't mean to take a shot at him. Don't shoot him. I'm saying if you get a shot to get to know him, um, a, he seems really genuine, but more, more importantly than that, he he's a lion. Like he will rip the head off of a competitor. And I, I just have mad business prowess, respect for him. Right. Um, so, you know, that's somebody I would advocate, but not just that. Right. So then you got like EPM, Eddie Perez, Phil Mancuso, uh, uh, Laura Brandeo, um, the, the crew at EPM is top notch. Uh, uh, the executive crew, uh, They're some of my favorite people in the industry. Honestly, Phil Mancuso is hilarious. Uh, really high energy. He's got that East Coast go fuck yourself vibe, um, which I really love about him. He's really funny. Um, Eddie Perez is a great business leader, Laura Brandeo, uh, uh, really intelligent. She came from, I think AF AFR, um, you know, just great executive talent there. So I would say get to know the executive crew. If you have the shot to at some of these wholesale lenders, uh, that you're working with as a broker, because, um, a, their wealth is their wealth of information, but also they're just great resources. They want you to win. Um, and it's an, if, if you win, they win and if they win, you win, right? So it's like this, there's a symbiotic, I guess you could say host parasite type relationship, uh, where you need each other to an extent. Um, so that's nice. Uh, so uh, outside of that, I think finding, I mean, sales and marketing mentorship, if you're an originator, right? If you're an underwriter, this this is obviously less applies if you're a processor or something like that. But for originators, I would say, um, Sales and marketing mentorship and and uh, if if you if you're gonna do it find really good mentors that are in it and otherwise find people who you trust to do it for you. I would make the argument that one of the biggest things in my life that helped me succeed was the shift from feeling like money was the most valuable currency I had to the shift where time was the most valuable currency I had. and once that shift was made, um, I treated. I treated the things that I do myself differently, right? Like I can't say my time's valuable and then like detail my car. I actually like doing car work, but there's a certain point where it's like, I like mowing my lawn, but like what's the cost of me mowing my lawn these days, right? Like I have to actually evaluate the time. Now, if it's something you're just passionate about and you love doing, like don't let me yuck your yum. But like at the end of the day, if, you, if you're if you like, well, my, the, lawn, the lawn's got to get mowed, call someone you got shit to do right we're too valuable for that anymore and so that's kind of the important thing too is just uh uh, understanding the importance of your time so anyways um those are some people um so a marketing and a sales mentor uh i would say uh, other mentors or other people that you should have close to you um i'm big on cfos if you don't have somebody that's helping you make sense of your money that's that critical uh cpa this is actually a conversation I had recently with, with our CFO, CPAs help you make sense of the past and CFOs help you make sense of the future, right? One's not better than the other, but they're different sides of the financial equation. And so that, that's an important relationship. I think that more people have CPAs than have CFOs. Um, everyone needs a CPA. Um, our CFO feels that only people that are doing at least 40,000 a month need a CFO. So, um, yeah, that might be a personal judgment, but um, I think it's a good indicator, if nothing else. So I think a CFO um, a good relationship with a banker, your banker, whoever if you're if you're growing a business, um, you know, I've also learned just over the years that while, yes, banks have underwriting guidelines, relationship can be that little extra nudge. Um, I'm very grateful for my relationship both with my personal and my business banker. um. And a good lawyer. If you don't have a good lawyer, uh, you should have a good lawyer. Um, I, I think it was Donald Trump that said it. Which, by the way, if, if, if whether you love him or hate him, he's very instructive of effective business and marketing. Um, the the dude just dominates every room he's in, which you know is a series of lessons all of its own. But he he said a quote. Uh, I think it was Donald, at least, and and it was some version of. Um, if you're not getting sued every few years, you're not really doing anything magical. And yeah. I think that that's important, you know, because it's like, dude, if nobody's willing to sue you, if you're not getting ceases and desist, you ain't doing a lot. And so that was something that, like, I was like, well, okay, so if I, I want to do a lot, which I do, I want to perpetually 10x my life, not, you know, Grant Cardonish, but like, like we've talked about in the past from Ben Hardy. And so it's like, if I want to do that, I have to push the bounds. And if I'm going to push the bounds, I have to be okay with people not liking what I do. And some people will sue me and that's okay. I'm not trying to hurt people, but I got a life to live. I got business to run, right? So um, that was, I just felt like a good sense of wisdom as well. And so I have a great counsel for a variety of reasons um, because I don't want to be caught with my pants down.
1: Love it, man. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I had never thought about a CFO before. Um, that's definitely something I probably need to have on my radar. Um, it's changed our life.
0: You should, you should check out the podcast episode I shot with him. Um, it's, uh, uh, I thought it was instructive and informative, but, but honestly having a CFO, you know, I, I, I make the analogy that it's like flying. Um, it's like, it's the difference between flying a plane and getting stuck in the clouds. Uh, uh, having a CFO is like knowing how to read the gauges and having your instrument rating, not having a CFO is well, like not. Knowing how to read the gauges. If you don't have visibility and you don't know how to read the gauges, the likelihood you survive being caught in a storm or even clouds is actually incredibly low. Because it's hard to tell um, when you're in that situation and your brain doesn't have the visual to perceive your whether you're going up or whether you're going down. Your body perceives the momentum, the actual gravitational force, very similarly. And so oftentimes you will miscorrect what you think you need to do to stabilize, which will send you down a spiral. And by the time you have visibility, it's too late to recover, right? And so I've always viewed that for business, like having a CFO, like I don't care whether I have visibility or not because I can read the gauges, right? So even when it's stormy, even when it's cloudy, even when clarity seems unclear, okay, let's look at the gauges. What do the gauges say? Okay. Well, based off the gauges, we should do this, we should do that, right? And so. Uh, that's been really instructive because, um, you know, we always have, we always know exactly where the money is going. And if there's deviation, we know before we're never surprised, right? It's, it's like, we're never caught off guard. And I think that's important. And and I, and I don't think it's just important, you know, I mean, I could talk about this part forever, but like, you know, so many people are upset right now about the mortgage industry, but let's be honest, people took for granted 2020 and 2021, Right. And that goes into the whole Warren Buffett, you know, you, you know who's naked when the tide goes out. Uh, we're seeing that with mortgage companies. We're seeing that with brokers. We're seeing that with, I mean, everybody, you're seeing who's naked. The tide went out, right? And so there's this element of people act like it's hard. Well, yeah. how long did you think you were going to be in heaven on earth? You shouldn't have had 2020 and 2021 to begin with. you got that lucky. Nobody looked at that and went, I need to build a moat before it's too late. A storm is coming, right? And everybody put their flip their little flippy floppies on and they went, This is great, man. Just loans falling out of the sky, I don't gotta do shit. Well, now they're caught in the storm with their flippy floppies on. <laughs> right? And so that was what happened to a lot of people. And so to me a CFO, if you if you had if people had a CFO, you know, we were uh, uh McBee and i were caught winner of 2021 with our pants down and we took for granted our position and the market shift there was a lot of fear in the market people didn't know what to do right this was we, we just went from like twos and threes to like we jumped up to like high fours and people were, like sky's falling right first wave of skies falling and uh um it's amazing how many times you can live through the skies falling by the way but uh we had gone through that and then um I remember McBee and I having a heart to heart and we were like we will never be here again. We will never be in this position. And so we literally started to build the business with the vision of we are in a recession, what do we do? I don't care if we're in a recession, we are in a recession, what do we do? Cuz if you act as if you're in a recession, that logic will th- make you thrive in good times. And if you act like you're in a recession when you're in a recession, you will do just fine. But if you if you act like you're not in a recession when you're not in a recession, when it's good, it's good, right? But when it's bad it's really bad bad. right and so that's the difference so we just live like we're in a recession i'm not even caught off guard anymore people like we're in a recession i'm like i've been in a recession (laughs) right you know so anyways uh one one more question for you bro before we hop off here um you know i I always like to ask this to to kind of keep the educational train moving um what is one book or resource that you've consumed in the last few years or or if it was really profound, maybe early in your life, that you feel like other mortgage professionals or sales professionals, um, it should be mandatory reading?
1: Yeah. So um the one that I'm I'm probably most excited about at the moment is one that you recommended um a couple of days ago. In fact, uh I got it right here. It's called nice. Big Leap. Um, yeah. and I feel like Big Leap can be uh, particularly helpful for really ultimately anybody, but especially new loan officers who are really looking to um, establish themselves and uh, the industry uh, to build a a really successful career for themselves. Uh, You know, a lot of times loan officers, when we first get in, we we face a lot of challenges, um, you know, just trying to figure out the business model and all the admin work and different stuff so it's important that uh, you know you've got a game plan when you get punched in the mouth. You know, mm. um, don't be afraid of rejection. Don't be afraid of the stress levels. That's all what it takes to be successful. Um, you know, is to go through kind of those steps. And um, I feel like this book does a really good job of uh, giving insight into owning uh, those limiting beliefs that you have and and figuring out how to harness them in a positive light and also uh, focus on um, really channeling the positive energy of winds. That's one of the things that the book talks about is deflecting and I do it all the time. And it wasn't until this book that I really realized it. Um, I I don't really want to give any spoilers, but uh, there's just a really lot of good content in there. Anything that I think is, is worth diving into further. Um, the other that I think would be important if you haven't made the shift yet and you're really trying to figure out your place, um, even just in society in general and on whether you should be a broker or a loan officer or, you know, maybe join a team is I think rocket fuel is a phenomenal read. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that defining who you are in, in kind of your business model, whether you're a visionary or whether you are, um, integrator, integrator. Thank you. Sorry. I don't know why the word was spacing for a second um, is, is absolutely pivotal in building the business model that you want, because a lot of times, you know, it's easy to think you're one thing and come to find out you're not, you're not those Mm -hmm. things. And, uh, that can be a really costly mistake if you don't own up to what that is in the beginning. Um, so I think that that book is a good starting point on, uh, grounding yourself a little bit, if that makes sense.
0: I like that. Yeah. We're actually uh, going through the process. I just hired an EOS implementer the other day and, and Tim, our VP of ops, we're sending him out to, uh, rocket fuel university. They have a, they have a integrator, like course mastermind thingy in person that they're doing. So I'm pretty pumped about that. And, uh, I think that'll be really fun. Um, and then the, you know, the cool thing about The Big Leap that I think is instructive even for you <clears throat> is it's almost like you get a series of books when you buy that book because if you're actually growing, right? I, I know a lot of people that like, you know, the, the common thing I'll hear a lot is I've been in this industry for 30 years. And really what that is is somebody that's lived the same year 30 times, right? And it hasn't been 30 years of growth necessarily. One of the things is if you're actually living a life of growth, of you're like every you're trying to do better every day, every week, every month, every year, um, and you if you pick up the big leap every year or two, it feels like a different book than the last time you went through it because it at every new juncture of who you evolve into, there's a variety of different things you will pull from that book. It's it's fascinating. It's one of the only books I've ever encountered that I feel I could read every few years. And
1: justify it. I love it's it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So it's really, um, yeah, it was a it was a really good recommendation. Um I also noticed that he's got some other books mm-hmm. um as well. I'm I'm curious, have you read any of the other ones that he's done? There's another one I feel like I have. Um Yeah, I saw on the back cover there was uh conscious living in a year of living consciously. I got have a year of living consciously. Um
0: I'd have to check. That's, that's in my personal development sections and I, I, I ran out of space. So I've had to start doing this thing where I like stack them up in front. So I, I've been thinking about how do I want to, you know, I, and I bought more. I inherited my uncle. He, I didn't know how much he was into philosophy. He actually studied directly under Alan Watts uh, uh, in California, which I thought was fascinating. And so he had all these like books on philosophy. So we had to buy more bookshelves downstairs. And so now I'm like, I still got stacks of books here, stacks of books here. So I'm like, man, I need more
1: bookshelves. This ain't this ain't cool. <laughs> so I got something right here. I'm gonna flip the question on you. I know you've already given us a couple of uh, books, but um, why don't you give give us a book that you feel like would be a good fit to, to wrap the, up the call? The one I'm on right now and this was one the the guy that I got
0: to spend an hour in a really intimate setting at the Inner Circle Mastermind of Paradise is 10X is Easier Than 2X by Benjamin Hardy. I'm 100 pages into it. You can pre-order it now. I think it releases sometime in May. Um, probably one of the most profound reads I've had in the last few years um, from a self-development standpoint because it, it really simplifies a lot of otherwise complex concepts. And, um, you know, it, it, like, like I was telling you about that concept of condensing decades into days, I feel like that that's a book that does that right. And, and it's a resource that if you're not hundred percent happy with where you're at and you're like, man, I feel like I could be doing more. I could be doing better. Um, I, I think that you would be really hard pressed not to massively grow through going like like if you didn't grow after reading it you didn't read it right like that's really where it's at um it's just so and maybe it's just where we're at in the journey where it was you know right message right time i'm not sure but it really hit so much differently than a lot of other books now i've read some of their other work like gap in the gain i've perused through who not how um you know so i i was already a fan of his work but uh um, this one just hit even more differently. Like gap in the Gain was great, but but ten X is easier than two X, my God, it's just such a phenomenal read. I'm I'm adding it to my Amazon card Legit, well, and I mean this wholeheartedly. If they charged nine ninety seven and I mean nine hundred and ninety seven dollars, I would still recommend it as a book you should read. Well,
1: Amazon has it for twenty three dollars and thirty-nine cents. There you go. Benjamin, raise your prices, baby. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, Austin, it's been a pleasure uh, uh, having you on the Lensetter Show. Um, where can listeners, if they want to connect with you, uh, just talk about being a broker and what that's like, and if, you know, if they just enjoy the conversation and want to get to know you, some how can they reach out to you?
1: Yeah, man. Um, so I would say social media platforms are a massive channel for us. Um, you know, at Skyway Financial is our Instagram handle. SkywayFinancial.com, uh, you know, is our website. Uh, facebook you can find us there as well um i don't know if we're giving out personal phone numbers we'll nope. if you can do facebook uh, you can do whatever you want yeah call me call me on my cell too if you want 615-589-3999 uh, <laughs> call, call me on my cell phone to. that's right <laughs> At hotline bling baby <laughs> that's great awesome well austin
0: it's been a pleasure having you on i'll make sure i drop those uh links and stuff down in the descriptions and uh, uh thanks again for tuning in to the lens show guys